All righty. Hey, let's turn our Bibles today to Luke, the fourth chapter. We've just uh, done a couple of weeks of talking about transition. And today, as I, I want to connect with this transition series, <clears throat> I'm going to be talking on the seven foundational kingdoms in this world. And uh, in these seven foundational kingdoms, you'll discover a lot of things that will intrigue you about what is going on in the world. In Luke, the fourth chapter, verse 1, and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him and said, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, or by every word of God. And the devil taketh him into an exceeding high mountain and showed him the kingdoms. Somebody say plural. These are not natural kingdoms. These are spiritual kingdoms. And it says, he shows him the kingdoms of the world. And in a moment of time, and the devil said unto him, all this power, kingdoms represent power. I will give, all this power will I give thee, and the glory, and every kingdom has glory, of them, and for that is delivered unto me. It was not his, it was given, delivered to him, and to whomsoever I will give it. In other words, Satan is in charge of the kingdoms that he showed Jesus. Jesus goes into the wilderness after being filled with the Holy Ghost, which we have talked. We've talked about how Jesus was born of God by the Spirit of God as we are. And then we realize that Jesus, being the Son of God, still needed to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And then we talked about Jesus in this 40-day period returning. And he says in verse 18, I have returned in the power of the Holy Ghost. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he hath anointed him to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, and to open up the eyes of the blind, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captive free. And then he goes and he reads out of Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, and hands the book back to the Pharisee or the scholar, uh, the rabbi of that synagogue, and he says, this day is this scripture fulfilled. So Jesus, in this transition period, goes from one glory to another glory. Now remember, when we talk about transition, we're talking about spiritual lingo goes that we're going from glory to glory, from level to level, from uh, calling to calling, from anointing to anointing. But in Jesus's life, he went through a transition, and that's what we go through. We go through transitions in order to be positioned for an assignment. So to get an amen. And in that, the old is passed away, and there is new is constantly being unveiled. Now, we understand that that happens when we get born again, but 
in the believer's life, it is a perpetual, ongoing activity that we are constantly putting off the old and putting on the new. We find that in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse 17 down through 24, that we're putting off the old man. And then we find in Galatians where it says that the old man dieth daily, but the inner man, the new man, is renewed day by day. In other words, it is a perpetual, ongoing, transitional time. We get transition from God, position for, with God. We fulfill an assignment of God. Then we are promoted, whether because we are faithful over little things or over many things. God entrusts us with greater things. And so we talked about Jesus' transition from the son of Joseph and Mary He's transitioned from being known as a carpenter's son. Now Jesus comes out of transition and declares he is the fulfillment of the prophecy that is written about him, Isaiah, 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And he says, this day is this scripture. In other words, Jesus puts off one identity, accepts another identity, and begins to call himself the son of God. That's important because as we are transitioning, we become the byproducts or the work of God and him taking us through these transitional times. So we're going to talk today about going through these transitional periods and why we do it. Now the kingdoms that the devil talks about is legitimate. They are real kingdoms. They do belong to him. They have been delivered to him and they are filled with power, and they are filled with glory. Or it would not have been a legitimate temptation. It would have been a lie. But the devil says, look, you see these kingdoms. He shows him these kingdoms. And he tells him that they are filled with power. Kingdoms represent places of authority or places where authorities have access to everybody that is under that sphere of that rule. That's what a king does. If you are in the kingdom of, uh, of Great Britain, you are under a king or a monarch that is just retired, but you're under her influence. And so these kingdoms have power. And out of these kingdoms operate demonic powers or rulers that have power and have elements of glory locked under their authority. Now, Jesus never said, you're lying to me. Jesus acknowledges that what he says is true. So these kingdoms that are shown are real kingdoms. They are kingdoms that have power. They are kingdoms that have glory. Now, notice that Jesus hears the devil say, They've been delivered to me. In other words, Jesus doesn't have control of them, and neither does God. Listen, listen, listen. He does not have power, nor does he have influence over them. The devil has them, and they are within his control. So everybody in that kingdom is under Satan's control. Amen? Under his power and under, or he holds the glory that is in that kingdom. So, 
these kingdoms are real. These kingdoms were delivered to him. Now, they were delivered to him by Adam, and they were delivered to him because of sin. Let's go to Genesis 127. Genesis 127, this is right after God creates man, puts him in the garden, is finishing up his decree or his commandment to Adam and Eve. And it says this, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Next verse. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Subdue it. Now, what is in the earth? We just discovered what the earth is filled with kingdoms, places of authority, power, and glory. That's what the earth has in it. And then it says this, subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. In other words, we are to subdue. God gives Adam and Eve dominion. Somebody say control. That's what Adam and Eve had. They had control. Now, notice that the devil says it was delivered to me. He never took it by force. He couldn't take it by force. Neither can the devil really take anything from you by force. It must be freely relinquished either by weariness, lack of faith, discouragement, a disappointment, whatever causes you to stop Activating faith is what releases that dominion. Just because you're struggling doesn't mean the battle has been lost. It means you need to hang on, hold tight, and let God do what God's going to do. Remember, all you need is a measure of the seed faith like a mustard seed. And if you'll let that faith work, it will create an ecosystem that will draw the world to itself. And so, when we look at this, the devil doesn't take it. He said, it was delivered to me. In other words, he really says, before I had these kingdoms, I could never have ruled man. I could never have had power, nor could I have ever obtained the glory of those kingdoms. Why? Because man, in a righteous state, is far more powerful than a fallen, evil, wicked, demonic king of darkness. And understand that. And so he was no match for Adam, or God would have already destined that Adam would have lost it. But he didn't lose it, he delivered it to him. Why? Because he couldn't steal it from Adam. He needed Adam's verification and surrender to obtain what belonged to Adam that was to be used to glorify God. Now, in this, we see that God gave man dominion. Now, let's go to Romans 5.12. Now, I'm just laying these out so that we get to see them. We might have heard scriptures like this before, but we need to keep reminding ourselves what happens in the devil, with the devil. You know, the devil is pretty slick. Oh, I don't think he's so slick. Well, 90% of the church doesn't even know he exists. I'd say he's pretty slick. 
He pretty slick that he gets people to think they're defeated when they're winning. He gets them to give up when there's no reason to give up. He gives them to think that God is a liar and that God has not responded and the prayer hasn't been prayed or answered and nothing that God told them would work would work. Yeah, he's pretty slick. I don't like him, but he is pretty slick. In that, people don't even recognize when it's him working instead of God. He is a master of deception and subtlety. And it says in Romans 5, 12, it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude or the same way of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. And not as the offense, so is also the free gift, as if through the offense one of one man be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as though it was by one that sinned, so is also the gift of judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Now, for if by one man's offense death reigned, somebody say kingdom. This is where Satan gains his supremacy, authority, power, and takes captive the glory that every man possesses. Now, and it says this, over one, much more they which have received abundance of grace, which is the new birth, and of the gift of righteousness, shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. In other words, that the transfer of power of being able to reign, to rule, to have authority, and to possess the glory of any kingdom is now put into the hands of righteous men and women. It's in our hands. Remember, Jesus told us, the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. But we are content in letting Satan rule. As long as he doesn't mess with our tomatoes, we aren't going to mess with what he's doing. Is almost the mindset. Now, if we go to Hebrews 2.14, just a couple more, and then we'll be going, moving to something else, but I want you to see these things. Hebrews 2.14. And so we're talking about that Adam had the kingdom, but we also talk about that this kingdom, the power and the glory of these kingdoms, now can be reaccessed by those that have been positioned in places of authority and power now. Somebody say, we can do it. Now, and then it says this, for so much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, Jesus Christ himself, likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power, the power who gained 
kingdoms. Remember what a kingdom is? I'll give you that. See that kingdom over there? And the power. The ability to rule. And it says, the same through death might destroy him that had the power or the rule of death. That is the devil. Next verse. And deliver them who through fear of death. Somebody say deliver. Deliver from what? His kingdom of power and the kingdom where he accesses man's glory. And then it says this, the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now the problem is, is that Christians, even though they get born again, still live under bondage. They live under condemnation, the misconception that God has really forgiven them, the misconception that God's speaking about something to somebody, but it's never directed to them. It's always somebody else, always another time. I'm so sick about tomorrow's salvation. I'm just sick of tomorrow's salvation. Salvation is now. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. Amen, not in some sweet by and by. Listen, this is a battle for the souls of men and women on planet Earth. Amen? It doesn't start when we go to heaven. It starts right now. Right now. And then, so it see, we see here that we have been freed from bondage and the kingdom of power or the power of kingdoms has been released from the devil's hand. From the devil's hand. Now, when did that happen? At the death of Jesus Christ. Was it true when Jesus was being tempted? No. It came to pass after the death of Jesus Christ. Now, let's go to Colossians 1.13. I don't know about you, but I like this. Colossians 1.13 through 14. And it says this. Who, talking about Jesus, hath delivered us from the power, the rule of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his what? Dear son. Now we realize that the new birth positions us into a kingdom that cannot be dominated. Or let's say this. Let's, let's not say cannot be. Should never be. Was never conceived in God's mind. Was never conceived by any apostle. But is a new church, 20th century church mentality that the devil should have any influence over any believer. Listen to me. The devil has been stripped of his power. All power has been given unto Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he gives it to whom he deems uh, acceptable, and that is us who have been crowned with glory, honor, and favor we that are joint heirs with Christ Jesus but in God's wildest imagination did he never ever think that believers would have to be hammered over and over and over that a truth was a truth and they still doubt it he asked Moses my God I've showed 10 miracles why do these people still doubt you can understand God's, he loves us, but it doesn't mean that God does not get frustrated at people because of their unbelief. Yeah. 
In fact, man's unbelief is in total direct con uh, 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 conflict with God's faith. He said, shall their unbelief make the faith of God? Absolutely not. Let them all be liars and I'll still be true. Romans, the second chapter. Listen to me. What, why we have to hear it 50 times and still whine and babble about nothing is beyond me. It is just beyond the comprehension of anybody that can simply read Jesus said. If he said it, bless God, it's said. What is the problem? We cast out devils. Well, they're still acting. Oh, I hope it works. Why would you say such foolishness? Well, you know, I prayed. I hope God heard me. Why would we lay an accusation against the faithful God? Listen, these are learned behaviors from pulpits filled with doubt and faithlessness. Somebody asked me, well, why do you pray twice, three times or four times? I said, because I know it's already been done. I just want it to show up. And you can call it unbelief, you can call it whatever you want, but those that get healed are glad that they, at least we called it. Amen. But I just, listen, I prayed once, I know God didn't say no. Amen. So I know it's between me and the devil. Amen? Yeah. Well, what about their unbelief? I don't even worry about their unbelief. That's always an excuse. You know, according to your faith, so be it. What they really mean is, well, you know, I didn't have enough faith. Get it, you get it. You know, we always blame it on somebody else. Don't call for the sick unless you're ready to pray for them and get results. You're going to have to have enough faith to override their unbelief. You say, well, I don't know about that. Well, any sick among you, call for the elders of the church. Why do you call for them? Because you ain't got the faith to get it done. But see, we're always teaching people excuses. Always teaching them excuses. And what we want to realize is that Jesus hath delivered us and stripped him of all power. Could I get an amen? And then it says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Now somebody say, I've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness. Now if you're not in the kingdom of darkness, he has no rule over you. He may come, but that's called a battle. But it's not called ownership and it's not called rulership, and it's not called dominion. Could I get an amen? So realize that we've been translated out. Out, out, out. And we have been positioned in the kingdom of God. Now, a kingdom, a kingdom is a, an authoritative structure. That's what a kingdom is. Of rule or a structure of power and dominion rule over a territory or a certain area geographical or spiritual so when we talk about kingdoms what we're talking about are areas of power and glory that are ruled either by God or by the devil now he shows Jesus these kingdoms Jesus said, he tells Jesus, I'll give them to you if you serve me. So that tells me Jesus didn't have them. Come on, somebody. Jesus.
Jesus did not have them. Jesus could do anything he wants. Yeah, right. He can't make you live right. What did it, where was he yesterday when you got mad at your wife? Kind of like he didn't do everything. I, he wasn't mad at your wife. You married her. The Bible warns you and says, you get married, you'll have trouble in the flesh. You went ahead and did it. And you're fulfilling prophecy right now. You're experiencing what God said. Aren't you, Joe? All right, hallelujah. God protecting at lunch. Hallelujah. Now, now look, God warns us, but we still do just do stuff. Amen? If I'd have read the Bible before I got married, I might be a eunuch. Yes, it is possible. With God, all things are possible. Don't tell me it ain't even possible. It is possible. It is too. After meeting you, I could be a eunuch. I'm telling you, moving right along. No, I'm happily married in an unhappy situation. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. All right. Now, a kingdom is power. Somebody's ruling and extracting and using the glory that is in that kingdom and ruling the people that are in that kingdom. And then a territory is an area, spiritual or natural. And we can see this. Territory is a region or a sphere where activity, thought, and influence over a region and the inhabitants of that region are. It is protected or ruled by and assigned. These are just things out of a the Greek uh, dictionary. And it says that it's a region where an assigned representative of either kingdom, God or Satan, is positioned. And with these agents or representatives in these kingdoms, there are things and beings that accompany them to defend that place of rule against intruders. In other words, when you start discovering about these kingdoms that we're talking about right now, we have to understand that there are principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness, and rulers in heavenly places. We understand what that is. That is a kingdom structure. In this kingdom structure, there is power. There is authority. And in this kingdom authority, this power, there is a use, a misuse, a perverted use of the glory in that kingdom. That kingdom was not designed to have its glory used by the devil. It was given to Adam to extract that glory to promote God and establish him in the earth of righteousness. Now, when that makes this transition, then it falls into the hands of the wicked. Now, I hope, you, I know you're understanding this. All right, now, now there are enemies that are set up in these kingdoms that protect these principalities and powers. Now, that may tell us why things don't just fall down overnight. Because you enter in or take a kingdom one layer at a time. You're going to have to deal with all of the skirmishes of the beings and the things that are set 
therefore sent with this principality in order to protect him from intruders. You are the intruder, a person of righteousness. You are not to come into these kingdoms. If you stay out of these kingdoms and do not deal with them, you probably will not be harassed or you probably will not be attacked or you probably will not have any quote-unquote serious interventions of the devil into your life. But if you mess with his kingdom, if you mess with his structure, if you seek to apprehend the glory that he has taken or received from Adam, he will respond. He's going to respond. Now, if you'll go to... Uh, Ephesians, well, no, let's go to Daniel 10. Daniel 10, and we're just going to look at two verses. Remember, Ephesians tells us, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And then it talks about us that we are to, that we understand we're not wrestling against principalities, against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness, and the rules in heavenly places. But you can't do it without the power of the kingdom of God. Amen? Can't do it. Now, in Daniel 10 and verse 12, and it says this. Then saith he unto me, this is a, an angel that appears unto Daniel, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself with fasting, thyself before thy, thy God, Thy words were heard, and I am come for thy word. Now, let's stop right there. Remember, we talked for just a, a minute or so about how Christians cave in all the time. What if Daniel would have caved in and said, Well, you know, my word, man, it's been three days since I prayed. He wouldn't have got anything, would he? See, they understood kingdom structure. We don't remember that there is a fight a hinderer one that is attacking your mind your body your spirit and that which has been sent from heaven oh but god sent it i understand god sent it but it goes from the throne through the devil's kingdom to earth now your faith penetrates the devil's kingdom and touches the heart of God, and from the first day you heard, you have moved the hand of God. Stand fast and see the salvation of the Lord. Amen. If your faith took it through it, your faith will bring it back down. But you have to stand. But in this, Daniel says, this angel says, from the first day that you did pray, God heard, and I came for what? You have said, and God has answered. Next verse. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now we understand this is not talking about a natural kingdom, but it is talking about a principality, a ruler in heavenly places that has been stationed over the area of Persia. And anything that happens in that kingdom has to be contended with by that angelic being, fallen, demon, whatever you want to call it, 
you have to contend with him because he has power and he is using the glory of that kingdom for the purpose of evil. But he has an authority and a right to be there. That was given to him by Adam. Could I get an amen? All right. Then it says this. And he withstood me one and twenty days, a little longer than three. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. And I remained there with the king of Persia. And now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall the people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. Don't ever doubt if God heard you. Don't ever doubt if your faith made it. No matter what is going on, no matter what you're hearing, no matter what you're feeling, shut it down and stand up by faith. We walk by faith, not by our senses. Could I get an amen? And if you don't do that, then that kingdom will always disrupt every connection that you have with God. From tithing to giving, from answered prayer to laying hands on the sick. So just realize you've got to deal with it. But that tells us that there is a kingdom that has power, has a right, and that is misusing the glory that is there for the promotion of wickedness. Now, let's do one more thing. Let's go to Acts 13. Acts 13 in verse 4. This will kind of bring it maybe a little more down to earth, a little understandable maybe. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, it's talking about Paul and Barnabas, they have been sent forth by the Holy Ghost. Somebody say, by the Holy Ghost. They're not on their own actions. They're not on their own mindset. They didn't just have a good feeling. They have been sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia. From there they sailed unto Cyprus. And there they were at Salamis. And they preached the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the isle unto Patmos, Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus. And he was with the deputy of the country, of the country, Sergius, Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Eliamus, is that it? Eliamus, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the truth. Then Paul, who also is called Saul, who is Paul, called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, Oh, all full of subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell, from, fell on him 
a mist and a darkness, and they went about, and he went about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. And the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of God. Do you see how the devil set this principality and power over this country? In the form of a man. It's in the form of a man under the demise of the Jews. He does it in Christianity, and I dare tell you I hate it, but I'll tell you half, a, half of the preachers in America are filled with the devil. They preach, they preach ungodliness, make an apologetics to sinners, inviting people to just come to church and they'll be okay, declaring, oh, no matter what you do, it's all by grace. These are all prophets and apostles of the devil. Now, this deputy was God's man set in a place. But the devil in a kingdom, now this man of God is set up, this deputy is set up to rule a country. But who is he being blinded by? A false prophet. False prophets aren't by choice. They're selected by the devil to be positioned as beings that protect the hierarchy of the principalities, powers, and might and dominion. This is one of the beings that you're going to run into if you try to overthrow or take the segment of the kingdom of power. Now, this deputy had deceived him, and until he was dealt with, guess what? The man couldn't believe. He could not believe. But as soon as he was dealt with, the deputy believed. What does that mean? The whole country was opened up to the gospel. Power was being taken back. The glory could now be used for righteousness. Come on, somebody. And so what happens is, and there are multiples of them. There are multiples. They're all through the kingdom of God. Listen, whenever the purity of the gospel, the power of the gospel, the truth of the gospel is diminished. Know this. There's somebody that's been positioned by the devil ruling that area. Did you hear what I just said? You think seeker-friendly churches, you think churches that are promoting uh, homosexuality, lesbianism, allowing fornication, uh, everything's okay by grace. You, you think that man came up with that on his own when he's got 66 books that defy what he's preaching? You think man's that smart? Or do you think he's that dumb? He's neither. He has to be influenced by a being that is greater than him, that is keeping him from believing and seeing, therefore cutting off the assets of true authority and the glory that's in that, that asset and the true treasure, the people under the authority of that rule. Yeah. 
See, the church, I don't want to bum you out. But I, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Here's how the church lives. You, you see this cross? The church lives vertically. Hey, I, I need a 200 people to be here Tuesday night to go street witnessing. If you'll be with me, just stand. 200 people. Thank you for that 20. You can be seated. Rob will meet you here. At what time do you want him here, Rob? What time? Five o'clock. Now, Jesus is coming back Wednesday night. How many are going to be here? Hallelujah. Come on, who's going to be here? Jesus is coming back. There. That's all I need right there. Just, just stop right there. That's great. See, here's what we live. We live from heaven to man and from man to heaven. This is what we live. We can't wait to get out of here. We can't wait to be rid of our problems. But the problem is the cross is not just vertical. The cross is vertical and horizontal. In other words, this is as much a part of the cross as this is but the problem is is that the church stays in this flow right here it's all about us all about isolation it's all about being in the world but we're not of the world that's not even what it means you shouldn't be separated from the world you ought to be out winning it oh I'm afraid of sin I'm afraid I'll get tainted well then grow up get powered up get filled the Holy Ghost my God you can overcome sin He's in you, greater is he that's in you, and he'll mortify the deeds of the flesh. If he can't keep you, get out now. The problem is you're afraid to confront the sinner. So we live in our utopia right here. It's all about us hearing Jesus. Hallelujah. That's what it's all about. We get from God, and then we give praise to God. Finally, Jesus will come out, and then come down and we will go up and we will have achieved our goal what a false lie that is not your goal your goal is you are to preach the kingdom of God the kingdom of God must be established the wealth of this world that God gives you the power to get is to do one thing not to give you a car not to put silk on your rear end not to put pillows on your uh, couch, not to put blankets on your bed. It is for you to establish the kingdom of God. We have forgotten this part of the cross that reaches out to humanity. And so what we have is this. Whenever there is a void, there will be a move and a shifting of demonic powers to establish another realm of the kingdom. This is why things are getting worse. This is why evil is rising up. What does evil need? Tell me what evil needs to be promoted. Do what? It doesn't need money. It doesn't need everybody to become a whore. It doesn't need everybody to become a drug addict. What does it need? 
do nothing. That's it. As soon as you do nothing, a kingdom shifts. And he takes dominion that he should not have, but because of the laziness, the lackadaisicalness, the neglect, the passivityness of the church, when it is in motion, it's all about me, lovers of self, more than lovers of God, lovers of pleasure, more than the things of God. Look, let's just, let's just take the mask off and just be real with ourselves. Our neighbor's going to hell. We know it and we don't care as long as they don't get on our grass. How's mentorship going, Pastor? We're going great till today. But I'm telling you, Jesus is coming and he's going to come and he's going to hold us accountable. And he's going, oh, for one talent that you don't use, he's going to say, take it away from me, depart from me, for I never knew you. You think, oh, that's not going to happen to me. <laughs> right. I, I just, I know it. Lie to yourself. I don't know what, Jesus is a liar. He's not a liar. You don't use everything you got. Love him with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and all your strength in you. There is a day of reckoning coming, and you're going to stand before God. Now, we cannot just live vertically. We are in a time when the kingdom of God must be expanded. Somebody say expanded. Now look, the Bible distinctly tells us that we are to preach the kingdom. Preach the kingdom. Preach the kingdom. What do we do when we preach the kingdom? We spread the kingdom. Come on, could I get an amen? But if the church does not express or enlarge or increase or expand the kingdom, guess what? Man starts saying, hey, here's a Christ, there's a Christ, here's a Christ, there's a Christ. And they go after him. They go after him. There, there is no, listen, there's no lack of spiritual hunger in the world today. Are you kidding me? Everybody's looking for everything. There's only one place they can find it. But those that have it won't share it. They just won't share it. Well, he wears earrings. He, he's got patches. My God, he's got green hair. Thank God he's got hair. Well, you know, man, do you want that kind of people in your church? I want all kinds of people in my church. We got you. We've already started with all kinds. Come on. No. See, I'm just telling you. You want revival, then you better get ready for a revival. Because it ain't coming out with just doctors and, and psychologists and, uh, uh, you know, nice-dressed people and people in fancy homes. Are you kidding me? Have you seen the generation that's coming up? They don't even know where to pull their pants up to. They think the crack is where you start. No, listen to me. They, they don't even know which way to guide their hat. They don't know how to tie their shoes. Come on, listen to me. I'm telling you, you better get ready. If you want revival, then you better get ready to die to yourself and accept whoever God brings to the altar. That's what we better do. Now, we every time that this kingdom does not expand, and I'm telling you right now, this generation that is coming up, if we don't reach out to it, it will be the most demonic, infested generation and 
Remember that there is the working of the son of perdition right now in motion. It is the spirit of iniquity. 2 Thessalonians 2. Now, if the church does not rise up, remember it says, only he who lets will keep him at bay until he's taken out of the way. If you do not, and we as a church, as believers, do not rise up and start taking this ground, I'm telling you, the son of perdition is going to be on the horizon. And we're going to lose billions of people to the devil. And it'll be your grandchildren. It'll be your sons and your daughters. Oh, no, my son's saved. Well, wait till the pressure gets on him. Let's see how long he can stay saved. You, you wait till the devil is loose. You wait till he comes down and he has a short time. You wait till temptation becomes temptation. You wait till you have to give your life for Christ. You wait till if you bear his name, you'll die. You wait till you need something for your family, food, medicine, or something. You wait. Then we get to find out who's saved and who's not saved. But these things will only happen if we cave in and give these kingdoms room to expand. Now, we can stop this, but we got to get busy. we got to get busy. Get into the face of your children, the face of your grandchildren, the face of your friends, and you start telling them about the kingdom of God. Oh, I've told them, tell them again and again and again and again. God talks to you at least three times in a day, and when you won't hear, he comes to you at night. God preaches more to you than you do your friends. Now, when these spaces, these voids are created by Christianity, by the lackadaisicalness of it, I'm telling you what's going to happen. Every television station will end up being the Playboy station. It's well on its way right now. Listen, half of you people, I'm not being mean to you, but just wake yourself up. You let homosexual and lesbians entertain your children by kissing each other on what you call entertainment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You do, and, you, and, that, and that's funny. That's funny. You laugh. Yep. Let me tell you what your kids are going to think is right. Two men kissing and having children and raising them. And that's going to be normal. I don't want my kids thinking like that. They're, oh, well, you're against, no, I'm not against anything. I'm against sin. And I wouldn't let my kids watch two people having sex on television. So why would I let them watch two men kissing or two women kissing and call it, quote, unquote, what a great movie? Come on, wake up. We're going to be talking about the seven kingdoms. The first kingdom is the church of God. That is the kingdom. The second is the kingdom of family, which we have resigned and given to our government, to our technology, and to our TVs. Then, then we wonder, I wonder why my kid's not interested in church. <laughs> they have no structure except what you've given them by the boob tube, by technology, and by the school system they're in, which is based on humanistic values, Darwinism. 
You let them teach your kid how to have sex. Don't teach my kid how to have sex. I'll, I'll teach my kid how to have sex in the right way. Go to get an amen. And then you're, you're going to have the kingdom of finances. You know, one of the things that God did was make Joseph what is minister of finances and led a whole nation, including Pharaoh, to serve God. And only until God, that Pharaoh that didn't know God, died was Israel ever enslaved. We look at Daniel, spirit of excellent education. He ruled a nation and turned it all to Jesus Christ by being faithful to God in prayer. We're going to be talking about the kingdom of media. Why, why are our families the way they are? Because of media. You know that it's estimated 75 to 200 people control everything that comes through radio and television out of Hollywood. 75 to 200 people, mostly lawyers, bankers, writers, and producers. Everybody else are puppets to bring about what they want. That's why you see Christian guys that say they're safe on TV cussing. They need the money. They make great money. Who's holding them? The banker. Oh, but it's acting. Well, I know it's acting. But can't you act like a Christian? <laughs> that, that might be a far fetch anyway. Yeah, I, I, have, I have no taste for Christians that cuss, use the Lord's name in vain, on TV, all in the name of entertainment. Technology is a kingdom. You want to reach the masses? Go to technology. Go to technology. Listen, so we're going to talk about these kingdoms. But these kingdoms have already been subdued by the devil. And that's why he controls the world. See, when remember when television come out, oh, that's a hell of a box. Yeah, that, that gavel, that, you know, evangelistic cliches that just show the stupidity and the fear of Christians. Nothing wrong with television, but we got to have control of it. Amen? We need to have control of technology. We need to have control of our government. Could it get an amen? Whether like Donald Trump or not, he's mentioned God more than any president in the last God knows how many 50 years that I ever heard. Now, I may not like everything he's doing. I may not agree with him. I don't care if you voted for him or not, but at least he stands in the pulpit and said uh, on his podium and says, you know what? God is the one that rules this nation, not the government. When was the last time you heard somebody say that? Now, I'm not telling you that I, I like him, I dislike him. I'm just telling you I like to hear the voice of God. Hallelujah. And we're going to have to take back areas of our government. Hallelujah. Anyway, I'll, I'll start rambling. I'm sorry. All right, stand to your feet. Let's pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, let us awaken, God, to the horizontal movement of your spirit. God, we are connected to you through Christ Jesus. We don't have to worry, God, about our God connection. We don't have to worry about whether we're going up or whether we're going down or we're going to stay. We're going. When you call, your sheep know your voice. And God, just awake us 
that these voids will be filled, God, that God the adversary will not be taking ground, but that God, we will begin to possess these areas of power and influence and start using these areas, God, and extracting the glory of it for you. You yourself said, God, your desire is this, the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth. God, your glory would cover the earth. Not that it would be used and perverted to promote the glory of sin and evil, to captivate the wealth, the power, and the influence, God, of areas of rule in this earth. But God, your glory would cover the earth. Let the church arise today, God. Let mediocrity fall off. Let passivityness, God, die right here, right here where we stand. Let it die and live no longer. God, let the church rise up triumphant. Let the church rise up with a trumpet to her mouth. Let the church rise up, God, with a sword in her hand. Let the church rise up and let her cry out, God, that the world may hear the gospel of Jesus Christ will not be subservient to underlings and devils and powers that have no power or right to rule us. For we are the people of God. We are priests and kings to our God, and we shall rule and reign as you have ordained us to be. God, go with us. Stir us, God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.